Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. All right, places, everyone. Quiet on the set. Curtains in five. Hello, and welcome to Footlights, the community theater podcast from WVIK Radio in Rock Island. Uh, We have lost my original co-host, Jaren. She has moved on to greener pastures. And so today, joining me as co-host is a former guest of Footlights, Jake Ladd. Hi, Jake. How Thanks. are you? Good. Thanks for doing this with me. It's my pleasure. Our guest today is a retired teacher, actor, director, scenic and lighting designer, past board member of Music Guild, and playwright, Mike Schmidt. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'd like to add Go area ahead. icon, theater icon. <laughs> yeah, right. That word turns up frequently from people who have worked with Mike and people who respect him. Well, nice to know. Well, I looked over the notes you sent us, and mm-hmm. this is... Uh, why don't you share your background with our listeners? Well, <clears throat> when I was eight years old... <laughs> I, so you got a late start in I got theater. a late start. <laughs> okay. I went across the street to a local park, Glen Arnold Park in Davenport. The uh, show wagon from the uh, Davenport uh, Junior Theater had pulled up. They lowered one side down as the stage. Kids a little older than I were doing a fairy tale. I went home, told my mother how exciting that was, and she must have thought I wanted to be a part of it. So... (laughs) Uh, a couple of months later, she took me downtown because uh, Junior Theater didn't have its own theater back then. And um, suddenly I was in a show. The fir- and the first play I was in was performed at the Bettendorf and then the Davenport Libraries. It was just a short one-act Johnny Appleseed. I got to play the lead, and I got to eat apple pie on stage, and I thought, this is for me. Oh, so, for sure. Anyway, so I stuck with uh, Junior Theater for 10 years, and then... Uh, I didn't do any high school theater. So you I, aged out of junior theater? I aged out, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't do any high school theater until my senior year, and I was in two plays then. What uh, held you off from high school? Uh, I, well, I was busy with um, junior theater. I, w- I would be in four shows a year. And uh, I was busy in scouting. And uh, ah. and the high school didn't offer up apple pie. That's, That's right. true. <laughs> yeah. However, Mockingbird on Maine does. I got an apple pie out of one of their oh, shows. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, then, uh, then I went off to college to be a history major and, and uh, trained to be a teacher. Um, but I auditioned for the first play. You can't take it with you. You got cast. And I would go in in the afternoons to help build sets and found out that although I was doing it for free, some of the students there were getting paid on a work-study program, uh, money through the federal government. I thought, well, this is silly. I can still be a, a history minor and become a theater major and apply for work-study grants, which I had then for the rest of the time I was in college. So... Um, uh, That's an unusual combination, and I know that because mm. I also was a theater major with a history minor. Actually, it works out terrifically. It's, it's amazing how much history 
there is in various shows, uh, and and of course, uh, you know, periods, different periods of time, uh, with costuming and sets and so on. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's worked out really well. Almost all of my colleagues at Morningside College, uh, who were theater majors, well, actually, had to have a speech theater major. Um, were English minors, and they went off, and, and almost all of them were in Iowa uh, teaching for their careers, and they mostly ended up teaching English, but then they did the speech and theater. Um, five of them ended up being in, who were my classmates, ended up being in the, let's see, how's it called, the Iowa State High School Association Speech Hall of Fame. Wow. So I, I was impressed. Mm-hmm. But I came to Illinois instead, so, and we don't have one of those. Now, I see that you spent two summers in London. Tell us about that. I did. Well, I got my uh, master's degree in directing at um, Roosevelt University in Chicago. And one of my classmates taught uh, Davenport West, uh, <clears throat> Tom Knob. And he's been in a lot of shows. Tom Knob, right. I know too. Right. In fact, we have the same birthday. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. March 10th or 11th? Somewhere? 11th. 11th, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So, um, once we have master's degrees, then of course we move up on the pay scale at, at, uh, in our high school districts. And there is another level beyond that master's plus 30. Plus 30, sure. <clears throat> right. Graduate hours. Well, Tom was on the lookout for someplace where we could pick up more graduate hours, and he found this Reader's Theater program in London uh, that we could get 12 hours. So he and I and another one of our classmates who was from the Quad Cities and then Tom's wife and my wife uh, went over to London for uh, the summer of 2001. Then uh, he found a loophole in the um, program that would give us 12 more hours the next summer, even though it was the same course. So... (laughs) Oh, so you had almost covered it, and we did, and uh, and it, it, it was great. Um, they brought in uh, professionals. Uh, one uh, the first summer, one of the uh, guest artists was Lynn Redgrave, and oh, wow. then after she made her presentation, and, and there were only maybe twelve or fifteen of us in the class, uh, we all gathered for tea together, and she made sure she went around and talked with everybody and had pictures with them. Oh, were and, you starstruck? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and, and Jane and I had decided to come home on the QE2. Um, oh, cool. Right. So, And we'd never been on a ship before. Uh, and Lynn Redgrave asked us, you know, are, are you staying any time after the classes are over? And we said, well, just a few days because we have to wait for the boarding of the QE2. And she said, oh, you will love it. Uh, she said she that, that's how she would cross from the U.S. to England and vice versa. And she said the best thing, and she was, oh, there are a lot of best things, but uh, she said the best thing is you cross one time zone a day so there's no jet lag. And she was right. <laughs> it was oh. great. And I'd never thought of that. 
I, I didn't even think of that. I no, wouldn't even think no, of that. No, I wouldn't either. Uh, the second summer, one of the guests that they brought in was Sir Michael. I think his name was Halliday. I can't remember for sure. And he, along with Sir Lawrence Olivier, were, they were the two founders of the National Theater in London. In London, sure. And it was great yeah. talking with him. And oh, um, wow. one of our instructors had written a, a, an original Reader's Theater piece. Uh, and wanted to workshop it in front of him and some others invited. So uh, I was one of the two or three in the class uh, that he asked to uh, perform. perform. So for Olivier? Oh, oh my no, gosh, no, not, not oh, Olivier. Oh, oh, for, oh. In fact, I think Olivier was probably dead by then. But for Hallett, yeah, uh, the other founder of the National Oh, theater. wow. Were so, you intimidated? Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that knowing better, I pronounced reading as reading. I thought, oh. oh. And I looked out at him, and he, he was nodding off. So he, <laughs> 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 he was pretty elderly. <laughs> oh, my. Well, you, my, mentioned, my, my. you mentioned your wife, Jane. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that, coming back to local theater, that you met during a production of 1776? The first time Music Guild did 1776, yes. She was the assistant director, and I, I played these. I was, was only out of college for a couple of years. I played the second oldest delegate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, fortunately for me, I was the only one who didn't have to wear a wig because then my hair was quite lengthy. Um, very curly. It's a little shorter now. It's a lot shorter now. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so um, uh, we met, and and um, we rented our costumes for that show. In, in those days, Music Guild didn't make its own costumes. It does now, and we have, uh, I think you've seen the you know, I have. extensive. Very ex- impressive. Extensive numbers of costumes, yes. Um, so we rented costumes from a company in Chicago, and I don't think they're in business any longer. Um, And to save the shipping costs, I had a Volkswagen bus back then. I said, I'll go up and pick them up. So Jane went with as the assistant director. uh, And so we got to spend the day together and uh, a note on the costumes. They made the costumes out of upholstery material. Oh my and gosh. in those days, Music Guild was not enclosed in air conditioning. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember every, those days. Right. And it was the July show. So every oh night uh, when the curtain went up or opened, uh, it was 92, 93, 94 degrees. <laughs> it was just. It's a wonder horrible. you didn't all collapse on stage. Right. But well, at least I, as they say in the show, it was hot as hell in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs> I, I was going to say. And when we sang that, we meant it. <laughs> At any rate, so then, then shortly after that, we started dating. And um, we've figured out, not just Jane and I, but all the music guilders, we figured out that uh, there have been, that we know of, 28 music guild couples who met there and uh, eventually became married. And I think there's only been two divorces. <laughs> That's pretty well, those good. Those are good averages. <laughs> well, is. as I said, my husband and I met at Genesius right. Guild, and we just had our 51st. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Well, and you mentioned um, high school classmates of yours, John Van Osdell and Marilyn Kehoe Van Osdell. And they were here 
Oh, for Singing in the Rain uh, this past summer. And and uh, then and then we all went out to dinner. Uh, Were you involved in that show? Uh, I was the producer. Okay. And they hadn't seen Tom Nobbs since Blackhawk College. So uh, Tom and Steph met us for dinner. But uh, I, I wanted to show them around the Guild because they hadn't been there in years and years and years. Uh-huh. And uh, while we were talking with the director... Um, Marilyn mentioned that although they had gone to school together, uh, the first time John had asked her out for a date was when they were in Little Abner at Music Guild. So I guess that's a 29th couple. Oh, wow. So it's fun. Now, and there might be people before. we. Our institutional memory of, of the people that I know at Music Guild only goes back to about 1967 or 1968. So since Music Guild's been around since 1949, there might have been other couples before that, but we don't know who they were. Probably. probably. Now, you will come to realize that my discussion style is ADHD. So so I will probably bounce back and forth. That's fine. (laughs) Tell me about your... Playwright. I see on uh, your bio here you have. Uh, what was it? You wrote. Yeah. A play called Hail. Hail to the chief. Hail to the chief. That and yes. infeculation. Infeculation. Tell us about that. Oh, um, well, uh, let me back up just a touch. The first play that I wrote was co-written with a college student uh, uh, colleague. Um, while we, you were in college? While I was in college. Okay. We decided to take a course. Well, they didn't have a, a course in playwriting at Morningside, and they didn't have one in children's theater. But with my children's theater background, uh, I said, Barbie, why don't we um, uh, put together an independent study and see if one of the professors in the department would uh, oversee it uh, in in uh Children's theater. She said, "Yeah, let's do that." Uh, and I said, "You know, we can we can write a play. We can use some of the uh, students at, at, at the college, cast it, take it around to grade schools, which is what we did at junior theater. Because until they started renting the Assumption uh, High School Auditorium, when uh, I was in high school, sometime uh, that's where most of the performances took place. Uh, just going around to various grade schools in Davenport and performing uh, there. So." Um, she said, I've, I've written a song, and maybe we can build a story around that. Oh, and, it, and it really was fun. very, very clever, a very clever song. The lyrics are terrific. Uh, I said, yes, yes, we can do that. Uh, so <clears throat> we wrote a story. She, she wrote all the music and the lyrics, and I wrote the book. Uh, about a little green man from outer space who lands in a farm field. He's looking for peanut butter because his father had encountered peanut butter on his intergalactic uh, trip. Please tell me you did this at Davenport Junior Theater. No, we didn't. Well, you should. I should. So um, uh, that, that that was my first introduction to playwriting, and, and it, it was a lot of fun. And I a, bet. A, a huge success. So, although, although when I called around to various principals at grade schools in Sioux City to ask if we could bring the play to them, one of them, well, all of them asked what it was about, and, and I, I, I gave that brief description about peanut butter, and, and one principal said, oh, no, you cannot come here. I said, why not? I remember, this is the, uh, probably 1970s, so yeah, we're just coming out of the 60s and all the drug stuff. Well, I, under, I understand that... that uh, well, did peanut, you think peanut butter was a drug? 
He said, I understand that people now are taking syringes and oh. sucking up the peanut butter oil and injecting it, and I don't want you to infect our students. So, ah. But we found other more amenable principles, and we did the show. That it was a lot of fun. is a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so then when I um, was in grad school, uh, it was a three-summer program at Roosevelt, and instead of uh, doing a master's um, uh, thesis, a document, uh, we had to do a thesis production at our home schools. So I thought, well, I'll write a play. Now, when you say you had to do a production at your home school, what school would that be? That would be UT. United oh, Township. oh, oh, your high school. Right. Oh, cool. uh, I, I, I should back up and explain. The program at Roosevelt was created by a retired high school teacher in Illinois. Ah. Um, just a, a pillar of high school theater. A great guy. And, and uh, so it was a program, a three-summer program. They only allowed 10 students, 10 new students each summer. So there would be 30 of us every year. And all of us were high school teachers from around the country uh, and a couple from overseas. Ah, okay. So then we had to do a production on our stage, our own stage. Um, and so I wrote a play, uh, Hail to the Chief, uh, with a cast of, oh, I don't know, 18 or so, because I was always... It's, it's hard to find a lot of plays that have enough roles for all of the students who want to be involved. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this, this will take care of a lot of them. And uh, so I had submitted that, and he said, well, yeah, it's, it's a great play, maybe. But um, <laughs> you can't do that for your thesis because part of the process is putting together a director's, a very extensive director's book, uh, doing... Um, Oh, the history of the playwright, uh, the history of the show, and so on and so on. And he well, said, the history of the playwright, you would know very, very well. That's what I said, <laughs> but that didn't work out. So uh, at any rate, so I, I... So you had to do a show that you didn't write. Right. Okay. Right. So then I did... Um, I, I, I submitted it to Playcrafters. Uh, I had been on the play reading committee for several years, and, and then, then I wasn't. Uh, and they had a drawer, a file cabinet in their uh, office where uh, people would put plays that they would want the play reading committee to look at. And so I just threw it in there, and, but it wasn't bound. It, it was in a folder. And... Um, a year or so went by and nothing happened. I didn't hear from anybody. I said to Steph Knob, who I think was still on the board, I'm not sure. Um, so, you know, what's happened to that? You know, why, why won't anybody tell me whether they want to or don't want to do it? She said, I don't think anybody knows it's there. So we dug it out and uh, did it as a summer production. Uh, and it was one of those shows that in, in the summer, there was so much theater going on in the Quad Cities. Uh, back then, there would be, some weekends, there would be eight productions, if you include Geneseo and Eldridge. And, it's, it's close to that Right, now. it is. Exactly. So um, it opened in, in uh, two weekends, and it had about half a house, and then the next night we had a few more, and the next night a few more. It was a comedy. And by the, the last two performances, they were sold out. People, you know, the word got out. It was a lot of fun. It was just a funny play. Well, you should do it again. Uh, it was a lot of work. <laughs> All, all, all theaters. I understand. Yes. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> now, what time period is this? Uh, it was contemporary. 
It, it, it took place in the Oval Office. Uh, it's fun building an Oval Office. Um, and they had a, a, uh, a painter there, uh, Mary... Oh, curses, I just forgot her last name. But anyway, uh, she, she painted on the center of the stage the uh, presidential seal that oh, you see wow. in the Oval Office. Uh, wow, carpet. Yeah. cool. Uh, and and uh, I, it, the president gets hit in the throat. Uh, six students are brought in uh, on, on an exchange type thing just to meet the president, and one of them accidentally hits him in the throat. Uh, he had been a broadcaster, and he had this golden microphone trophy, and one was playing with it and turned around at him, and, and suddenly the president can't talk. In fact, you never hear him. But one of the students... <laughs> my kind of part. Uh, well, oh, no. No. <laughs> my, one, Mike, there are many people from uh-huh. both parties who would love to have a president <laughs> yeah, there that doesn't you go. speak. So. And, and one of the students earlier in the play was doing his vocal imitation of the president. And so <laughs> to, to make sure that nobody knows that he can't talk, then they have this kid on the phone and, and intercom and things uh, imitating him. And, and the guy who played the president thought it would be easy because he had no lines, except he had to know the lines and cues for everybody because of all of... Because he had to mouth of, them. No, no. Well, yeah, some of that, but also because of all of the shtick he had to do and all of the blocking that I gave him. Oh. So he, he actually was not that happy about it once he realized <laughs> how difficult it was. But anyway, that uh, that, that was the first full-length uh, play you that I You really did. should do that yeah. in today's political climate. That would go over... Oh, I'm sure it would, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and it's too late for next season because they've already chosen That's the right. place. Yeah. Well, let's see. There's 2025. There is. 2026 is an election year, though. Off oh, election. there you there go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Get ready. Well, if they did it late in the year on 2025. Ah, there. Yes. Yeah, if it was their November right. show. Now, you asked about infeculation, and it's yes. sort of... That's a made-up word. It is. I just heard on NPR somebody saying all words are made up words. Well, that's true. Because we had, because the evolution of language, you had to right. come up with something to call right. something. Yeah. Um, for a while, oh, for a long while, once I started at UT, I would one of the shows that I would direct every year was the contest play, the state contest play, and it had to be no longer than forty minutes, and you had to perform it at a a district level, and if you took first or second place, you moved to the sectional level, and if you took first or second place, you would be one of the 12 schools from around the state at the finals. And while I was there, we got to finals 10 times. Um, Of course, we never won because the Chicago schools and the suburban schools uh, have a lot of money, a lot of talent. Not that you, the Quad Cities doesn't have talent, but you know th- these are kids who've been acting and dancing and singing since their parents wanted to get them out of the house when they were little. So uh, is that how I needed to get rid of my kids? There you go. Uh, one one of the schools, for example, Tom Sweeney uh, was the he's since retired was the director at uh, Home at Flossmoor, a south suburb, uh, south Chicago suburb. He won nineteen times. So it's, you know, it's tough to break in. But um, I got tired of taking a full-length play and having to cut it down to under oh. 40 minutes. Wow, yeah. And I got tired of finding that there weren't that many plays that could have 15, 16, 18, 20 kids in it. So Is that I, how many you took to contest? Sometimes, yeah. 
Wow, that's, that's a lot. lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I just started writing my own one-act plays. Oh. Now, none of them did particularly well, although three or four of them got to state, but and that's fine. Uh, but I was able to utilize a lot of kids, and, and it wasn't... When I was young, I thought winning was the important thing. It didn't take me too long to be disabused of that idea. <laughs> and and uh, so it was just a good experience for the students. Uh, and Infeculation started out as one. I started it as a one act, and I thought, well, this actually would make a better full-length play. So I wrote two versions, one, uh-huh. uh, the one act that we did, and then, and then uh, a full-length also. And it was sort of about... Um, the end of the world, <laughs> that a, oh. sci- a scientist had found, and remember, this, this would have been over 20 years ago, a scientist had discovered, uh, had created the vaccine that would prevent people from getting AIDS. And so uh, the world was, was uh, uh, inoculated, and it turned out that there was a flaw in it, and people were dying right and left. And so, oh, but, yeah. a comedy. Yes, wasn't it? Um, so... Uh, I'd wanted to do that at Playcrafters and just never got got around to submitting it. And now there have been other apocalyptic type movies and plays uh, along the same theme. So I pretty much gave that up. Although it did have a reading at uh, the University of Iowa. Oh, I don't know. In light of the pandemic, yeah, you don't think people would um... want to remember? Probably not. Well, no, not not remember, <laughs> but it would be. Highly relatable, I would think. Oh, yeah, I suppose it would be. But again, that's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. You are, are you currently on the board at uh, Quad I am. Music Group? We redid our bylaws quite a few years ago. Uh, There was a time when as long as you could get elected, you were on the board. Uh, Now we uh, can no longer serve more than two, three-year terms, and I'm at the end of my second three-year term. So you're going to be termed out. I am. Well, but I have a feeling that that's not going to be the end of your contribution. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, But being on the board is a lot of work. (laughs) I saw that. I was— Yes. I was—I— Thought, not knowing that the board was going to consist of six people, mm. I was very surprised. It was uh, an entire team. Right, there. we have we have fifteen on the board. Yeah. I why did you why did that surprise you? Too big, too small? I just didn't know what to expect. And uh. many theaters, um, especially community theaters, uh, the board of directors is rather small. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was it, this was a. You consider like a t- six a big board. I consider six kind of the average for ah, a lot okay. of community theaters around the country. And mm-hmm. so this was a big surprise. And it's, um, it's a shameless plug, but your current production coming up? Yes, is Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. And that's in November. November, the middle of November, oh, two weekends. Oh, middle of November. So by the time this airs, you will have already closed the show. Yeah. Successfully, I hope. Well, I see a lot on <laughs> Facebook sure. from uh, Jonathan Turner. Mm-hmm. He's so excited about yes. Sweeney Yes, Tom. he is. 
Well, and everybody involved in the production is excited. Uh, this is the second time we've done Sweeney Todd. The first time was back, uh, I don't want to go a year, but probably in the mid-1980s. It also was the July show, and we didn't have air conditioning then. Uh. And again, it was one of those summers that was just beastly, beastly hot. Uh, my wife was in the chorus, so I... I even bought a ticket. Usually I'm working something, uh, you know, concessions or whatever. <laughs> I better go out and sit in that. So I bought a ticket dead center in the middle of the audience, surrounded by, by hundreds of people. Hotter. It was even hotter. Yeah, I thought, I'm never going to do that again. So <laughs> I'll cook hot dogs. I'll scoop ice cream. We don't do those anymore, but we used to. I guess we still have hot dogs. But at any rate, uh, and... and um, it's such an exciting show. Sondheim is so, so, so difficult uh, music-wise. It, it, ta- it takes a long time and a lot of really good musicians. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of experience with musical theater, and I've none performing, because mm-hmm. A, I can't sing, but... Um, not even attending because Mr. Hicks does not care for musicals. I see. But I did see last season and I just adored something rotten. Were you? Oh. Well, of course, I have Shakespeare background. So. Right. Love something rotten. Um, oh, that was just an amazing uh-huh. show. It is. And a group of us, the Van Osdels included, wanted to go see the touring company when it was in Chicago several years ago, and then Marilyn Van Osdell looked up ticket prices and decided that they didn't want to do it. So uh, another classmate of mine and his wife live in the Minneapolis area, and that same production was going to Minneapolis, so we went up and saw it there for the first time. Uh, but I, I had read the script. In fact, when it first popped up in the catalog, I, I sent away for it, thinking this is something the Guild needs to do, having read the description about it, and and uh, I, it's, it's a great show. Well, what amazed me was that Almost the entire cast could tap dance. Yes, they could. I think Jake, not Jake Ladd, my friend over here, but I can't think of his last name now. He's been at Genesis Guild, too. And he was, I think, the only one that didn't tap dance. (laughs) The... Uh, we actually have a lot of good tap dancers. Uh, we, we, we had great tap dancers for Singing in the Rain, but for uh, Something Rotten, the lead um, had never tapped before. Really? No. Well, I would not have known it. No, nobody would. Uh, so they, they taught him, and boom, you were oh, great. Oh, my gosh. I wish yeah. I would have known that for my review. Hmm, true. Oh, man, that would have been such a great uh-huh. angle. Uh-huh. Wow. You mentioned something. Um, you mentioned that uh, in looking at the cost of the, the attending a show mm-hmm. in Chicago, mm-hmm. it was prohibitive. And it or at well, that, was, was viewed as yeah. being prohibited. But, but it, it, it bears on the fact that most audience goers, most theater audience goers in this country, uh, their first exposure to theater for that very reason mm-hmm. is frequently community theater. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and not just smaller works, but 
I will bet you that the vast majority of the audience coming to see your upcoming production, that this will be their first exposure to Sweeney Todd and perhaps Stephen Sondheim. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it will be. Uh, years ago, our ticket price was $15 for an adult. And a gentleman came up to the box office for one of the performances. I think it was Thoroughly Modern Millie, which has been quite a few years now. And uh, he said, I, uh, I'm just in town for the, for the night. I checked into my motel room. They had um, a little booklet of things going on in the Quad Cities. And I saw that you're doing a show. And my motel is only, oh, maybe a quarter mile away. So I thought, well... Music is a little hard to find, though, for strangers. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, and he said, I said to myself, for $15, how bad can it be? Oh. <laughs> well, a glowing review. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so at Music Guild, we've never forgotten that comment. <laughs> but your involvement in, in theater in the Quad Cities area has not been limited to... Oh, no, not at all. Not and all. you mentioned Playcrafters, but mm -hmm. there's also Circa. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, once in a while, I would think about auditioning for Circa, but uh, the, the problem for somebody who's working full-time is they have Wednesday matinees. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, but Denny uh, Hitchcock was doing... King and I years and years and years ago, and I had already been in King and I at Music Guild, and I thought, okay, I, I looked at his schedule and I, the calendar, and I saw that um, with the business days that our contract at UT allowed me, um, I could do, I could take a half a business day for each matinee and, and then be docked maybe once or twice. I thought, eh, it still might be worth it. So I, I auditioned and did a pretty lousy job. Uh, oh. But, well, no, I, I, I did fine, but I also was just as happy that I didn't get cast because you know, I, I would have been losing a little bit of money. Uh, yes, but we all suffer for the arts. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, uh, once I retired... Then I saw that Denny was doing uh, Irving Berlin's White Christmas. And in fact, he had uh, been trying to get, so at Music Guild and a lot of other theaters, the rights to do it. Uh, and they hadn't been, the rights hadn't been available for several years. He ended up being the first professional theater in Illinois to have the rights to do White Christmas. Oh, wow. And I saw that, uh, you know, he needed an old guy uh, to play the general. So I auditioned and got cast, and, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, he had to add performances. Uh, it was a huge, huge hit. Oh, uh, Not because sure. of me, but it really was a lot of fun. And getting to be on stage with uh, quite a few people from around the country, New York, Massachusetts, San Francisco, uh, who make their living as non-equity professional actors. Uh, that, that, that was a lot of fun, too. Uh, and then he did it the next winter, and uh, I got cast again. Um, but 
So, and, and, and I enjoyed every minute of it, but something I've found over the years, I've, I've played the King twice at Music Guild. Uh, I've, done a, I've directed a couple of shows a second time uh, at various venues, and I think the first time should be the only time. It's the I, best. I was just about to ask you. Yeah. 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 And why is that? Oh, you have you have memories from the first production, whether you directed it or were in it or whatever, that don't go away, but th- but those memories can't be replicated. So, for me, it was fun doing it a second time, but that was that was good enough. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, of all the areas you've been involved in directing Mm -hmm. every, we didn't even get into scenic and light design yet. What is your favorite thing to do? Wow. Um, I ask the hard. That is a hard hard one. (laughs) Well, as a high school theater director, and and for my first. five or six years at UT, I was doing all four shows. In the first couple of years, I was designing, building the sets. I was setting the light. Yeah, I was teaching kids how to help with that uh, and directing and so on. Eventually, I was able to get help. Um, Bill Marsoon, who does a lot of sets uh, at Music Guild and has directed a lot of shows at Music Guild as well, was teaching at uh, Washington Junior High School. My husband taught with him. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so Bill would come over and, and help out with the sets uh, for me at, at UT and, and uh, for the theater director at Moline, uh, Dolores Beckman. Um, and then eventually I was able to talk Bob Hansky. I know Bob. From Janice. Guild into directing. Well, first I talked Jim Lula into directing a play. You did? I did. The and iconic <laughs> Mr. Lula. Yes, he is. Yeah, speaking Ooh. of icon, there's... That's one icon to another. <laughs> yes. And and he said, well, um, because I was tired. I, you know, three shows already. And, and he said, I... I I want to direct. I said, "Why don't you direct a Shakespeare?" We haven't done Shakespeare here in ages. He said, uh, "I'll direct *Midsummer Night's Dream* only if it can. We can include some of the faculty and staff, so that they can be on stage with the students." And it was a large oh, what cast. Fun. Yeah, it was. Um, and he said, "I'll only do it if you play Oberon." And I'm trying to get out from doing this, and now I'm on stage. Uh, Bob Hansky was cast in it, and then and then after it was over, he had a good time, and I said, "Bob, uh, why don't you direct something?" And and so he eventually he directed one show, and then he directed the next year. And the did next he year. teach English? He taught English. Yeah. Okay. And eventually, he directed two shows. His wife Peggy directed the musical. I helped helped build the sets and set the lights, and then I just directed the contest play, and and uh, life was a lot easier, especially because I started teaching a, uh, an interdisciplinary course, American Studies, with an English teacher, and that took a lot of work and a lot of reading, and, and so I, I, uh, having the off time helped a lot. And now I see why you wrote Hail to the Chief, because you didn't really answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite aspect of your involvement oh, in yeah. community theater? Well, in community theater theater. Yeah, I thought I should bring yeah, that up since we're you. in a community yes, theater yes. podcast. <laughs> um, it would be directing, but I've actually only directed the one play at Playcrafters and six musicals at Music Guild. Oh. Uh, 
partially because doing all that work at school, um, I didn't have a lot of chances to be on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, becoming a designer and senior designer or producer or uh, whatever, director, um, during the summer, I still wasn't getting on stage a lot. So uh, I, I guess directing probably, but I guess in the way of auditioning. Ah, oh, I didn't think of that, yeah. yeah. So personally, mm-hmm. what does community theater mean to you? Everything. Everything. Expand on that, please. Well, it's been my life. It's a chance not only to act and direct and design and so on. Uh, it keeps me off the streets at night. Uh, a chance to develop lifelong friendships. Uh, one of the things I thought I was going to miss coming out of college were all of the good friends that I had made. And I did. Uh miss it, but um, because we were scattered all over. Um, But that was replicated through community theater, through Playcrafters, through uh, Music Guild, and um, it's a a creative outlet. Uh, And I get to meet a lot of of interesting and new people. Uh, For example, uh, Singing in the Rain. Jeremy Littlejohn was the director. Uh, he's the production manager at Circa 21. Now, I never would have met him uh, otherwise. Huh. And, and uh, he, he has an extensive theater background. And, and uh, we'd both get out to the, the park, uh, the Music Guild, uh, early before rehearsals. And we'd just sit out in the audience and tell stories. And <laughs> Some of them even true, I'll bet. Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's interesting because you're probably the fourth or fifth guest we've had that when we ask that question, that's exactly their answer, that it's family. Mm-hmm. Oh, no question. And and for decades, that's what people involved with Music Guild tell people who are coming into Music Guild, that we really are a family. Now, theaters tend to be on the cliquish side. Uh, you know, You're regarding. not the first guest that has said Absolutely. that either. And regardless of where you are. But um, whether professional or, or uh, educational or community theater, and yet uh, we... At Guild, we we really do try to be inclusive of whoever wants to participate and make them feel that they are a part of the Music Guild family. Um, And (laughs) there are families in the Music Guild family. Um, When you were interviewed, uh, when you uh, applied to direct Fiddler on the Roof, which you will be directing next summer at Music Guild, um, on the board... There were uh, one, two, three people who were second-generation music guild. There were two who were third-generation music, uh, four uh, that were uh, third-generation music guild. Um, Just because their families, that 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 was their summer activity. Uh, You know, that's that's what they did, and they brought the kids along. And not as many generations, simply because. It hasn't been in existence as long as Music Guild, but that holds true out at Richmond Hill Players oh, yes, as well. Absolutely. The Skiles right. come to mind mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and Singing in the Rain had a fourth generation uh, Music Guild. Oh, really? Uh, for wow. the first time. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was neat. I thought 
I thought it was an incredibly comfortable um, interview. I have to tell you, I glad to hear that. Well, it was, and uh, my main intent was to simply introduce. I'm new to the area, mm -hmm. so I wanted to introduce myself, not expecting that that someone from outside the group would be offered an opportunity to direct the uh, one of your upcoming musicals. So I was obviously very happy, but also the interview process itself was wonderful. Oh, thank you. And, and we're always looking for new talent. Like I said, you, you will be a new director to Music Guild. Jeremy Littlejohn was a new director to Music Guild. And oh, for a while, years ago, and this is probably true at Genesius Guild and at Playcrafters uh, in various periods, um, there, there, was, there was a thinking that the same people are always directing the shows. But that's not true. <laughs> well, at Genesius Guild, yes, for well, years yes, it was only yes, Don. Was. Of course it was, yeah. <laughs> but even, even after Don was, was you know, phasing out. Um, but that's not true. And in fact, I, I made up a chart over a five-year period. Uh, we had, back then we were only doing four shows a year. And over a five-year period, we had like 18 different directors. So there are I wanna, opportunities. I'm, I have to ask this while I'm thinking of it so I can go home and tell Mr. Hicks. Um, he's a retired teacher now as well, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but he's subbing at UT. Oh, really? Yeah. This is like his 14th or 15th year of subbing. Wow. He, he's going to keep doing it until he doesn't like it anymore. Yeah. But, uh, and I can't remember the teacher's first name, the Greers. Mm -hmm. Larry and Larry and Jerry, Jerry. were there Counselor. when I was a student. Right. So this mm -hmm. is their grandson. Oh, yeah, they were teaching, right. Yeah, right. this is their grandson. And um, Anthony is Mr. Hicks was subbing in one of Mr. Greer's classes, mm -hmm. and they were studying Antigone, which oh. I have been I have been in Antigone mm -hmm. as Antigone and oh. as another time as Ismini, and mm -hmm. I've been Antigone and at a at Colonus. So I was saying, oh, this is really cool. And I said, wow, if he would want to, and he talked, I guess Mr. Greer talked about, he would kind of like to do a Greek play mm -hmm. at UT. I think that would be a great experience for kids that young. But as you said earlier, cast not big enough for all the students that want to participate. And I said, well, most Greek plays are short. Why not do two of them? Mm -hmm. And so what would you think about that, doing oh, I, 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 a classic I think, like that? Right. I think it would be terrific. And I have two stories about that. One, uh, <clears throat> after the first year, we got to the state finals. Um, the winner from Homewood Flossmore was Ceremonies in Old Men, Ceremonies of Old Men. I, I forget what it is, but anyway. Uh, very heavy, very dark, very large. I thought, well, I can do something heavy and large and dark. So uh, we did Trojan Women. Ooh. And, I've been in that, too. And you, you, you've got, first of all, it has a relatively large cast. And you can, a Greek chorus can have X number of people. And it can be, although at Genesius Guild it was generally all female, right, it right. could be both. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then several years later, uh, that one didn't get to the state finals. Oh, no, it did get to the state finals um, and and came in like third to last. <laughs> Aww. Well, well, you know, I don't think modern 
audiences are as open to seeing no, no, but, the but, Greek classics. Right, but the judges, you know. Yeah. But at any rate, so then several years later, the uh, Dolores Beckman, who taught at, at uh, Moline, and Gene Saunders, who taught at Alleman, uh, and I got to, I, there, there's a, a play called The House of Atreus. There's only one, as I understand it, there's only one complete Greek trilogy still extant. Oh. And um, Sir, whatever, Guthrie, I've forgotten his first name. At any rate, uh, the Guthrie Theater, uh, <laughs> English, uh, took all three and turned them into a full-length three-act play. Ah. Um, so I said, you know, um, to give our students at all three schools uh, some experience with Greek theater— why don't I cast one of the acts from UT students, and Becky, you cast one of the acts from Moline students, and Gene, you cast one of the acts That's from Alleman students, and then we'll perform it at each school. And awesome. uh, we got Deer and Company to let us use their auditorium at their headquarters awesome. for a public performance. So, it, did you actually do this? Oh, Why yeah. did I never yes. hear of this? Well, because it was well, I don't know. Good question. <laughs> do you know when about that? Yeah, was? I, I would have to guess the late seventies, sometime. Hmm. I was at Genesia Guild then. Well, hmm. well hmm. at any rate. Anyway, that... well, well, and and Dolores or Becky and Jean and I were all involved with music guild at the time. So. And I could be wrong, but I think there's three plays in the Oedipus. Stories. Are there? There's Antigone, right. there's Oedipus at Colonus, and I think there's a third one, but I can't think of what it is. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, wow. Anyway, so we did that. It, 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 it can be done. Uh, you know, there are ways to. Uh, one of the students at Morningside uh, who hung around the theater for a couple of semesters was from Greece. Uh, mm-hmm. She was Greek. So oh. I said, So how do you pronounce. Oedipus. She said, Oedipus. Ah, we're not going to do that. (laughs) No, Don Wooten taught us. It's Oedipus. How do you pronounce Phoenix, the O-E? Right, but but Don isn't Greek. She was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she was Greek? She was Greek, yes. Say it again. Oedipus. Oedipus. Yeah, Don, I hope you're not listening. Don, I'm going to email you when I get home and tell you to listen to this podcast. I have a question for you. Okay. Everyone in the theater has a project they'd like to work on. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, you you have you know, teacher, director, producer, writer, technician, board member, uh, an experience, uh, a range of experience over the years from the mid-70s to the present. But I'm betting there's still something you haven't done that you'd like to do. I've never done a Tennessee Williams, and uh, yeah, either on stage or directing. I, I, I'd love to direct uh, a Tennessee Williams, although— Which tend, one, though? Well, that's the problem. I, I, I tend to think uh, a lot of his shows seem to be somewhat dated, but— um, Oh, for heaven's sakes, it just—oh, um, rats— uh, I well, just you know, forgot the title. Uh, the, the movie 
Richard Burton and Sue Lyons from Rock Island and Ava Gardner um, set in Mexico. Oh, rats. That, is that Night of the Iguana? The, yes, Night of the Iguana. Why can't I think of that? Yes, Night of the Iguana, which is hardly ever done and wasn't considered one of his masterpieces. But I think there is so much in there that is still relevant um, about religion. And I suggest you propose that to the Black Box Theater. They're doing um, Suddenly Last Last Summer, and again, this will air after it has closed, Mm -hmm. but I'm uh, going to that tonight. Playcrafters is also doing Tennessee Williams in their their 95th season. And Uh, which one? And that is uh, Streetcar. Oh. Uh, Mike Schultz Mm -hmm. is going to direct that. Oh, good, good. So uh, that might be a fit, too. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the almost every time we got the UT contest play to state finals, uh, some school did a Tennessee Williams. Um, so yeah, I got a smattering of Vukare. You never see that uh, was done. It didn't come close to winning, but uh, uh, Streetcar was done a lot. I'm sure, uh, which is kind of tough to do in one act uh, in 40 minutes. Mm, but, true, yeah, true. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to explore, Jake? I was, to sum it up, mm-hmm. you are a pillar. You use the word pillar of theater, um, but you are a pillar of theater in the Quad Cities area in particular. And it's been fascinating to me to listen to the, the interaction between you and yeah. Chris because you know so many of the same people it over the mm-hmm. years and have worked with so many of the same people over the years so what what is your goal now i've asked you what your what play you would like to tackle <laughs> if you if you could that you hadn't but what is your goal for the foreseeable future and long range and how do you view community th- where where do you think community theater is headed in the in the quad cities area Oh, I, I, I think it's strengthening. Uh, part of the problem is a lot of people are still reluctant to come out into public. Since the pandemic. Since the pandemic. Uh, obviously, we, we saw that at, at Music Guild in the, in the first season after the pandemic. I suspect Playcrafters did as well. Um, mm, yeah. At least Genesius Guild was outdoors. So uh, that might make people feel a little safer uh, but but it, it, it's growing again and it's it, it's stunning how many people want to be in plays and musicals uh, our, our auditions for last season had a couple of hundred people wow um, and music guild although a lot of them work on more than one show if you just take X number of people for this show and this show and, the, and so on that's true you have what four? Five. Five right. shows a season. Right. So, but we utilize four or five hundred people mm-hmm. uh, a year. So, <clears throat> um, I I I see great things in the future for me. Um, 
Probably not too much in the next couple of years. Uh, sort of a shameless plug here, but I just came back from mon- this Monday and Tuesday down in Springfield at the Illinois Retired Teachers Association uh, Biennial Convention, and I was elected as president of the 40,000-member organization. So for wow. the next two years, I'm going to be kind of busy and a, a lot of traveling around the state. Congrats. Uh, by the way, you should get your husband to join the IRTA uh, so <laughs> as a retired teacher. But at any rate, uh, so it'll, it'll be a while. Uh, And again, as when I was teaching, it looks as if my summers are more available than any other part of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe I can find a small part here, a small part there. Uh, It might be fun to do Genesius Guild, audition for something at Genesius Guild. I've never done Guild. Yeah, because then you could could wear upholstery fabric costumes in the summer, outside in the summer. It's it's just so much fun. Uh And not only that, you'd get to compete with trains and planes and fireworks. And mosquitoes. And mosquitoes. mosquitoes. I've been to a lot of shows there. (laughs) (laughs) And get to wear a mask. Well, we have a kind of a tradition of a last question for the podcast. Oh, here it is. It's Friday night. Don't have anything else to do. Why should I go to a live theater production in the Quad Cities? A couple of reasons. First of all, with the actor strike going on, there's nothing exciting on television to watch. Good perspective. Uh, are you implying that there's something exciting to watch when the actor's strike isn't? Oh, over? well, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, more importantly... Uh, you have an opportunity to hobnob with people who have similar similar interests uh, at intermission before the show, after the show, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one of the drawbacks to Music Guild is we don't have a parking lot for our patrons. Uh, but one of the advantages is then they can park at South Park and we rent city buses to bring them up. That means everybody, as they leave the theater, can't get on the bus at the same time. And so they're standing there waiting. In the summer, it's not too bad. They can be outside. In the summer, they're in the lobby. And when I'm out there, I hear people talking to each other who didn't know each other about the show. I like this. I didn't like this. I like that guy and so on. Uh, so I, I, I think that's, that's a, a primary reason for getting up and going out and seeing live theater. Oh, very good. You gave us a couple of new perspectives there from other guests. Oh, good. good. Glad to hear that. Mike, thank you so much for being guest. You have enlightened me on many aspects of Quad City Theater. And I want to thank Jake again for sitting in as co-host because I would never be able to do this all by myself. So with that, we say goodbye for this session. I'm Chris Hicks. I'm Jake Ladd. Break Break a a leg. leg. Thanks for listening to Footlights, a community theater podcast from the Quad Cities. Footlights is a production of WVIK, Quad Cities, NPR. If you'd like to explore more podcasts from WVIK or support our work, you can do that at WVIK.org or by downloading the WVIK app.